Hello, and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast Twitch channel. I am Michael, and we're here tonight for another episode of Detention Live. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Excited and to be here tonight. I'm excited for you to be excited. And then joining us tonight as a special guest co-host is Christopher Helton. Uh, Christopher is a game designer who has a game on Kickstarter right this moment. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. But Chris, go ahead and let... Actually, sorry, Christopher, go ahead and say hello to everyone. Um, hi. Um, I figure Christopher will keep us from both of us turning heads when you go Chris so <laughs> probably not um, well I'm very excited that you're going to be here chatting with us tonight uh, you were a prior a catacon attendee so we have met there I'm better with with faces than names I didn't recognize the name but now that I've seen you I'm like ah, I can't I think I know that dude um, but we're going to start the show as we always do and with something we call extracurricular and this is where we just talk about what we've been up to lately, things we've been doing, uh, movies we've been watching, TV shows, music we're listening to, books we're reading, games we're running, games we're playing, whatever you feel like sharing with strangers on the internet. And uh, Chris, I will start with you. All right. I got my wife and I hooked on this TV show called New Amsterdam. Okay. I think it's on NBC, but we're watching it on Netflix, so I'm probably 10 years behind, who knows. Uh, but it's new for me, and it's... Kind of neat because you have this new medical director that takes over and, you know, the very beginning of the episode, he's like, how can I help? And like for the first, I don't know, five or six episodes, he just kind of walks around, how can I help? How can I help? And it's hilarious because I found myself doing that at work, going to my staff going, hey, what do you need? How can I help you? What do you need? And just, it's kind of neat to watch how it actually works in real life in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um I just have to remember the balance of don't do too much because then people go, oh, he'll do it all, which I've done in the past. So, yeah. Um, other than that, I am very excited because yesterday I came home and there was a box on my front door that says Ooh. Marvel Zombies. Ooh. So in March, we're going to get to play that for sure because I have the first phase of it. You should do an so, unboxing video if you want to put that on there channel i could already open it nope <laughs> nope because if i open it i have to play it and i didn't <laughs> want to sit in my basement and play by myself last night so well plus i had scout so i couldn't but uh, i'm very excited to get that it's the first game i've ever done on a kickstarter and spent 600 bucks now i think after all the shipping and everything else so uh, i'm waiting for the next six boxes to come <laughs> after this nope. sometime this year so uh but i'm very excited for that and the wife was actually excited because she really likes playing Zombicide too. So I know this weekend we'll probably have it set up for most of the weekend. I did not do the phase one shipping. So I'm getting all mine together. So I think it's even next year when that's anticipated. So it's going to be. Yeah, I don't remember. A long time ago. I'm too impatient on this one. I'm excited, excited. I can't wait to play the faculty retreat. Not quite next month, but not much longer after that. Mm -hmm. And then, so we've got, we've got a list of games that we've already got like, want to plays have to play sort of a thing so that's yeah. definitely a short on my short list is to play that yep. uh other than that uh i want to watch willow the last episode tomorrow so we can chat about that and see how it concluded i'm you know we, we've talked the roller coaster if i like this episode eh, well, eh, hopefully it ends on a high note but yeah. we'll see All right. well christopher what would you like to share with strangers on the internet what have you been up to recently um I've been, uh, I've been doing a lot of reading. I decided for Christmas to treat myself to a uh, Marvel Unlimited subscription. Oh, nice. And um, I had, uh, last year I picked up uh, the DC Infinite and I read hundreds of thousands of DC comics last year. So this year I'm reading hundreds of thousands of Marvel comics. And um, it's, it's, it's really interesting because I'm just kind of going through it I, I at first I thought I was going to try to do semi chronological, and then I just ended up hitting things randomly as it's going. Well, you read this, you might like that. I go, okay, I, I might like that, and so I've just been kind of bouncing around through like the last, you know, eighty years worth of Marvel comics, right. more or less at random, and it's 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 been a pretty good ride. It's cool because I didn't read a lot of Marvel in the like the 80s and 90s because I was always more of a DC fan so I'm getting 
um, my first exposure to a lot of the what was the really popular stuff that people I knew were reading and talking about, and I had no clue what in the world they were talking about. So I'm really excited to see, you know, Magneto uh, dying over and over again <laughs> and stuff like that. So nice. And I'm watching, um, I just started watching on Hulu a, um, a uh, anime series called uh, Nana about, uh, it's, a, it's a slice of life. I'm a big fan of, of slice of life, which is what uh, kind of drew me into manga and, and anime. Mm-hmm. But it's a slice of life about two women who meet on the train going into Tokyo. And it turns out that both of them have the na- are, are named Nana. Hmm. And then, okay. you know, they, they like end up as roommates and I, I've read the the manga that it's based on and uh, I recently discovered there was an anime. So I started watching that uh, around the holidays. Excellent. Very cool. Uh, I will just uh, suggest to the audience, if not to you, um, I have a subscription to something called Hoopla. Are you familiar with I that? Have a, yes, I have a Hoopla. Yeah. So the- it's free through the Cincinnati Public Library. Um, and that's where I read a lot of my digital comics. It doesn't have everything Marvel Unlimited. It's also like six to eight months behind. Yeah. But it is free. So if anyone out there is interested in getting into digital comics, I would suggest Hoopla or check with your local public library. They may have a different service, but almost every every major public library that I'm aware of now has a version of this digital a subscription you can get and then you can get a like you can get movies uh audiobooks regular books but it's all digital versions basically for free i get it's like five things a month you can check out top of the thing but yeah we have like cool. eight okay so which is nice they the, the, like part way through the pandemic they decided to bump it up our the main branch of our library here in town closed a year ago for major renovations and then they found asbestos. And so they're going to be closed for like ever. So they decided to bump up our, the number of things that we can, we can rent on Hoopla because okay. we can't, you know, we can't go to the main branch right. of the library. Yeah, that's how I read uh, all the Invincible comics when that mm. series was about ready to come out on Amazon. I just, I tore through them. I loved those books. They were so good. That's how I watched. I read all of them was through Hoopla. I, I'm big on, uh, on uh, the Humble website i buy a lot of digital comics through the humble site where you know i'll spend um like 20 bucks and get a couple of hundred trade collections in digital form yeah it's 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 a really cost effective i i've been buying the uh because this year's the 30th anniversary of image comics so they've been running a bunch of bundles on there and i've bought a ridiculous number (laughs) of of image comics and i you know i'm reading like spawn from the 90s that kind of like with the marvel comics i didn't read back Mm -hmm. then and so all right well very cool well thank you for sharing um as for myself so i did finish willow today i finished uh episode eight uh chris and i have been doing a a patreon only sort of chat show after the episodes uh so that's what he was talking about uh that we're going to talk about that once he's watched it uh definitely been up and down i really like the first two episodes i thought they were just so fun light-hearted silly uh, irreverent in the, in the best possible way and then it started kind of going downhill and there were some episodes that were just too weird and <laughs> some of the you know the production values were a little bit off so I've come down from that initial high, but I've also stayed at generally more positive than than Chris has. I really liked the last episode. I know Targris, who's one of our patrons who we've been chatting with on our Discord, uh, did not like it at all. So we were polar opposites, but I think it ends on a pretty pretty good note. Uh, there's a few lines in particular that I love, but I'll wait till Chris is seeing it before I get into that. Uh, just tonight, like an hour ago, the wife and I decided to show our boys who are will be 13 in two weeks and 11 Malcolm in the middle. I don't know if you were familiar with that old sitcom, I think it was in the nineties. And it's what my, my boys have this hyper reflex to embarrassment, which I actually also have, but they have it even worse than me. So like, if there's something embarrassed, if there's a character on TV who's about to be embarrassed, they can't watch, like they will bury their head. Hmm. And they were getting that way on some of the scenes when, Again, if you remember the pilot, he got red paint on his butt. Yeah. And then when he's going to get beat up by the the bully. But overall, they actually really liked it. They were laughing a lot. They they were just chuckling along. So I think it's something we're going to try to continue going on because I'm always looking for things I can watch with them 
And, um, you know, it's a silly show, but I remember it being really funny. I think I was pretty much watching it in real time when it came out. I, I you know, because I, I was reading an article recently because uh, I didn't realize, but it, this past week is the 23rd anniversary of that show first airing. Oh, okay. Weird. And yeah. so I was I was reading an article about it recently, and I never noticed, but apparently they never mentioned the family's last name in the TV show. Huh. And I'm reading this article and I'm thinking, I'm going, yeah, that I don't remember them ever <laughs> mentioning the last name of the, and, and I was like, what a weird thing to do in a, in a show and nobody noticed. Right. Yeah. I mean, it starts with uh, the dad getting shaved at the kitchen table. Like they set the bar for a weird, yeah. pretty high right off the bat. Uh, I'm still watching Smallville all the time. Obviously, I do, a, I do another podcast about Smallville, so I watch every episode three or four times. Uh, this week, I'm recording Cyborg, which is in season five. This is part of the Justice League. We had Flash last year, technically Impulse, uh, and this year we've had Aquaman already, and then we're about to have uh, Cyborg. I started rewatching the Arrow series. This is my third attempt to watch the Arrow series. Both the first two, I got into the third season. I just couldn't do it anymore. And it's hard. Like, they're, it's not great. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love it, but it is not great. Uh, but I'm going to power through. I'm watching like two or three episodes every day. I'm I'm working a puzzle while I'm watching it. So I'm not like, you know, I'm trying to multitask. Uh, but I hit those episodes where it's like, oh, this is rough. But mm-hmm. I'm going to try to get through it. And then uh, I'm getting ready for a Kickstarter. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a bit about Chris's in a little bit, or Christopher's in a little bit. Uh, but mine goes live next month, the 28th of February. Uh, so I'm trying to put the final touches on the text. Uh, Tom's still working on the graphics to make it look pretty. And kind of the next thing on my list is to get the video put together. I have someone with a lot of training and talent who's supposed to help me, but he's doing it essentially for free. So it's kind of hard to be pushy. And um, I've got some art coming in that I'm loving. So it's all kind of coming together. Uh, super, super excited. But I, again, I'm I'm a nervous Nelly anyways. Like anytime a catacomb's coming up, I start to freak out. So I'm 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 in the freak out zone as well. But uh, generally speaking, I'm I'm positive right now. I'm feeling good. I think we're going to get where we need to at least be successful. It's just a matter of will we be able to like you know pay me? Because at this point, I'm like three thousand, almost thirty five hundred now out of pocket expenses. That's not included in the Kickstarter to fund. That's just to get the book made. Uh, we'd have to exceed that by about twice the goal for me to actually get money back and 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 pay myself. So that's what I'm hoping we'll get. But as long as we hit minimum funding, I'll still be excited to have the book out in the world. All right. I think that's enough extracurricular for now. So we're going to move on. We're going to do our first improv game. Uh, and that is what a game we call 10 Things. And this is an improv game where we'll take turns prompting one another to create a list that matches our prompts. So we might say something like, give me 10 things you might find in a goblin's shoebox. The idea is immediacy is better than accuracy. So a quick list of stupid things is better than a short, than a lengthy, long time developing list of things that actually make sense. Christopher, you are the guest tonight. Would you like to go first in terms of prompting Chris or I, or would you like to go first and be prompted to give your list? I guess I'll do the prompt. Okay, so you can pick uh, Chris or myself, either one that you want, uh, and then just uh, give us the list. I just realized I didn't have chat up, so I'm checking that now. Both (laughs) Sumkey and Bob Hop are with us, so thank you both for hanging out tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, All right, let's go with Chris, and since we're namesakes, and 10, give me a kind of Florida thing, 10 things you might find in a swamp. uh, Alligators. One. Cat, catfish. Two. Mosquitoes. Three. Uh, snakes. Four. Uh, uh, hillbillies. Five. Uh, bootleggers. Six. Uh, tall trees. Seven. Water. Eight. Mud. Nine. And a broken house that somebody's trying to live on top of. Ten. That was, in fact, a list of ten things. <laughs> It was pretty quick and accurate, I think. Yeah, it was All pretty right. good, yeah. Yeah, so to keep the circle moving, Chris, you will prompt me, and then I will finish by prompting Christopher. All right. Uh, I like your idea, but I'm going to change it. Uh, give me 10 things you'd find in a lich's shoebox. A lich's shoebox. Shoestrings. One. Uh, the receipt from Payless Shoe Store. Two. Their backup phylactery. Three. An old USB drive that doesn't work. Four. Lots of cables for stuff they don't need anymore. Five. The remote. 
Six. A dead cat. Seven. Shoes. Eight. Gems. Nine. The soul of their parents. Ten. Yay! Yay. That was, in fact, a list of ten things. Hey, Brian's with us tonight as well. Thank you, Brian. All right. So, Christopher. So, we haven't talked much about it yet, uh, but we're going to talk about your Kickstarter in a minute. I'm a huge action movie fan. That's why my game is about action movies. I would assume if you created a game that's about action movies, you probably are as well. So, give me ten action movies that I should watch. I think the 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 fundamental one is Die Hard. One. Rambo. Two. Alien. Three. Three. Expendables. Four. Four. Captain America: Winter Soldier. Five. Five. This is harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. Underworld. Six. Six. Well, crap. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm looking around. It's not going to help me any. Batman: The Original Batman, 1989. Seven. Um, I'll probably get grief for this because I always do when I bring this up, but I really like the uh, the last Fantastic Four movie that everyone else in the world hated. Okay. Eight. So that's an action movie. Um, Remo Williams. Ooh, nice. Love Remo yeah. Williams. Yeah. Boy, I pulled that one out of nowhere. Um, and Just like they pulled his name. <laughs> yeah. And um, keeping on that pulp thing, the Doc Savage movie from the 60s. Ten. Ten. That was in fact a list of ten things. That was that was that was a lot more difficult than I expected it to be. Once, mm-hmm. once you said it, because I'm thinking, yes, how hard can this be? And then, oh, harder than I thought. It, it can be. Yeah. Um, all right. So I threw a link to your Kickstarter in the chat, but okay. we have the thing set up where you can't do links. But I think it'll let me because it's my channel. But I'm not sure. Maybe it went through. Maybe it not. Um, but we're going to talk about your Kickstarter for a little while in our used book section. So give us the the high-level pitch first. So what is your Kickstarter? What is it about? Okay. So it is a game of action heroes. It's not necessarily just specifically like action movies, but any sort of from, you know, like comic books to science fiction to, I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, I mean, um, like Hellboy would Mm -hmm. be an action hero. I wish I thought mm-hmm. of that when I was coming up with movies. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah so um and it covers char- uh, characters can be anything from, you know, like kind of humanish and pulpy all the way up to, you know, superhuman. Mm-hmm. And the name itself actually is a homage to a comic company that published in the 60s and 70s called uh, Carlton Comics. And um, a little known uh, comic book fact is that back then, um, Marvel and DC had a joint trademark on the term superhero. So nobody else except for the two of them could use the term superhero. So when Carlton tried went to get into superhero comics, they had to come up with a different kind of name for that and they came up with the term action heroes. Right. So I, I took that as the name. And, and um, what's interesting is um, one of the Carlton action heroes was a big um, uh, streaming TV hit uh, last year. And that was uh, Peacemaker. Oh, I love Peacemaker. That was one of my favorite shows last year. Yeah, that was uh, Peacemaker was a character that DC actually purchased in the 80s when they, they bought the, the IP of Carlton Comics. So. But but yeah, so, I mean, they're there. The, the Carlton action heroes ran a gamut of everything from like military action stories to, you know, space adventure to action horror to straight up superhero stuff. So, OK. I I thought it was a good name for my game because it kind of does that same sort of thing. All right. So is it a, a system itself? Like, do you do you play a different game, but that's is like a template or layers on top of it, or is it like the game? It's a, a game itself. It is a game. Yeah. It's okay. a, it's a complete it's a complete uh, role playing game. In I think it's going to be like 125 pages or so. So okay. Uh, so is it based, is it like a power by the apocalypse 2d6 is it a d20 like tell um, a little bit about how the mechanics work so it is i decided 
to release a game powered by the open gaming license at exactly the oh, wrong moment. You <laughs> timed that beautifully. Sir. Yeah. So it basically what it is, is a collection of different systems and pieces of games from that are have been released under the open gaming license. Uh, the majority of which are non D20 games okay. that I sort of smushed together into a new system. Okay. So I'm an action hero and I want to jump across a building and disarm somebody. What am I, what am I doing to do that? Um, well, you, I would imagine that your character would probably have a fairly high body and a couple of skills like, um, you know, that would go with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, with that sort of, of thing. Um, um, it has a, a, a sh- I, I tried to keep the mechanics to a minimum. So there's only, there's less than 12 skills in the game. Okay. And so for something like that, it would basically be uh, your character's body and probably the athletic skill. And you take the scores of each of those, add them up, roll 3d6, and try to beat a target number. Okay. So, uh, so the, like the, the skill and the attribute are additive, like they would have a, a numerical positive you would yeah. add to the d6. Okay. All right. Simple enough. Um, so now is it, like I said, it's, it's action story. So it's not action movie specifically. It's anything action. Yeah. It's, it's action oriented. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's not specific to, to action movies, but you know, any sort of action related story that you want to tell. So do you have any particular inspirations, either movies, comics? Like I know we kind of touched on that a little bit already, but there any you want to call out that were really top of mind when um, putting this together. It, Really, it draws on a lot of like, um, like '90s comics. Okay. Um, there's a big influence from uh, you know the early Image comics. I was a big fan of, uh, even though I didn't read him on the X Men, I was a big fan of Jim Lee's Wildcats and uh, Mark Silvestri's Cyberforce. Okay. So you know stuff like that uh, figured into it and. You know, it's just, I mean, it's basically, I just wanted a game where people can play big, over-the-top characters and do big, over-the-top things and get, and it worked. Yeah, I'm, th- those are g- good uh, goals to have when you're designing a game, let me tell you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Chris, do you have any questions? I have a few more, but I, I, I know I talked too much, so I want to make sure you got time to jump in here. So, does it work off, like, powers, or is it just all skills? Well, it's the it, characters basically have three elements to them. There's the at, there's the attributes, which there are two attributes, uh, body and mind. Okay. Um, then there are the skills, which cover you know the the things that you are trained in, the things that you can learn, and then there are what I call abilities, which you use to build anything from like special advantages to say like a talent with with language to being inordinately dexterous to outright powers like flying and blasting lasers from your eyes okay that's usually what everybody wants to do with superpowers they either want claws or laser beams yep seems to be the two things flying's always fun yeah the the last game that i i ran with it back at the uh back over the summer was um set in New York in the 1970s and it was a group of fairly low powered uh characters and they were tracking down the zodiac killer. Yeah. Good luck with that. So. Yeah. so well, it went, have... it, it went better than they expected because they kept expecting that he was going to have superpowers. Oh. And he was just a guy, and so that when when they finally decided to get into a fight, it, it was a lot shorter of a fight than they thought it was going to be. So it happens. Yeah. So the Kickstarter is running right now. It's already right funded. Now. In fact, it's yep. it's 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 like three hundred percent funded. Though you had a really low goal. Yeah. And one of the reasons why you did is, and I've seen this on the Kickstarters, is that when you pledge, you're basically pledging to get a print-on-demand coupon. So right. when people back the Kickstarter, they still have to pay additionally to get the book, but they're going to basically right. get it at cost, 
right. through print on demand, uh, which through drive through, which again, I've seen other uh, Kickstarters do that. It, I mean, as someone who's getting ready to run a Kickstarter for an action game, I'm curious of like, what was your thought? Um, like, what was the process behind that? Why did you make that decision type of thing? Well, the company's done that for a while. I mean, we're talking about if, if, the game funds at a high enough level of at as you know paying for like a short offset print run in addition to the pod stuff okay but um the the nice thing about uh the you know doing it doing it as a pod particularly doing it in conjunction with drive through is um you don't have to worry about doing the shipping you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about uh you know where am i going to put 500 copies of a game book you know you don't you don't really have to worry about any of those logistic issues that you have to worry about when you're doing well you know in addition to getting the book printed then it's like you know so all of that is being taken care of by uh, drive-through so it, it it makes the process go a lot more smoothly because it's going through fewer sets of hands so in theory, in yeah. theory, it is supposed to make the process go smoother. And I mean, you know, drive through does know what they're doing. They've been doing this POD stuff for a long time. So barring, uh, you know, another weird supply chain issue, it shouldn't be a problem to do it through there. Right. So, right. so, uh, uh, when, so I say I go, I go back here now, I, I pledge at a, at a level, uh, when will, I be seeing the book. Like what is the delivery expected delivery date for this? I probably should have looked at that before I, um, cause I'm not handling the actual logistics of things. I, I I'm kind of managing the kickstart. I'm the one who, you know, if anyone says ask questions on it or, uh, you know, handles. So it all looks that, like, but... uh, March, 2023 is the PDF. Uh, that's also what it has for the hardback. So I, I, I mean, so I assume yeah, the book that, is already completely done at this point. Um, well, the book is written. Uh, we are looking at uh, the book is written. The art is done, and uh, we did actually do an Ashcan edition okay. that was PDF only. That had so I mean, we we've done the layout. It's just going to be a matter of swapping out what we were using in the Ashcan for the the final copy. You know, once we've gone through it, gotten all the errors and all of that. Um, and um, we're talking about a stretch goal where I add some additional setting material to okay. the to the book. So basically, it's going to be stuff that I've used uh, in games that I've run mm-hmm. that I'm going to, you know, kind of formally write up for the book. Gotcha. Now, so, so the, the book is about playing these action heroes. Is there a section on game mastering? Do you have any tools like how to <coughs> design your own adventures or anything? Is yeah, any of that included in the book? Yeah, I, I've got a section on on adventure design and I've got a section on, you know, general like advice for G because I've been I've been gaming since <coughs> 1979. And I've spent most of that time as a GM. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, mostly because I like to be a GM. So I've tried to kind of codify some of the things that I have hopefully learned how to do well mm-hmm. in, you know, those four years of being a GM, which is, is not as easy as it sounds, but um, so, you know, and one, one of the things for this is that I, that I, a lot of I think a lot of role playing games aren't really good at they they expect that you're going to have someone who already knows how to GM mm-hmm. that's going to be taking the other you know like the next phase of GMs and you know passing that knowledge it's along like the, the older cousin method yeah. yeah yeah I mean a lot you know a lot of RPGs that's their default thing. And I think it makes the GMing job harder than it has to be. So I tried to be as new user friendly as I as I could in in doing this, which is why, you know, there's like a, a, a fairly long section about, you know, how to put an encounter together, you know, the important elements of like a story 
and you know things that I think a GM kind of needs to know mm-hmm. that I don't think enough role playing games teach you. So, hmm. so is there to, a sample? A very long, a very long, a very long ans- uh, answer to your question. Yes, there's a lot of GMing information in right. this book. Is there a sample adventure included? There is not. Okay. Um, that is only because I am very bad at adventure writing. Hmm. <clears throat> um, when I was a kid, there was, I don't know what it was in the area that I lived in back in the in the you know in the eighties and nineties when I was doing all this as a kid, but we didn't get a lot of adventures in our area. We got like a lot of rule books and magazines, but very few modules and things. So I was probably in college before I started buying modules on a regular basis. So I kind of had to do it myself. Mm -hmm. And so the format of adventure writing has always been weird to me. And it's just not one of my strengths. No, fair enough. I, I just so, ask is we we have a show yeah. we do called the Sample Adventures where we play yeah. one shots of various <laughs> systems using the included that's, adventure. If it has. Yeah, that's something that everyone always asks, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not very good at doing that. So, <laughs> me neither. I'm yeah. good at writing right. notes that I understand, but if yeah. I hand them to somebody else, they're gonna be like, what? Like, what? Well, th- this doesn't necessarily have to be the order they're done in. And sometimes yeah. people kind of go to the end, and then I somehow make it back to the beginning. And people go, I don't understand what you wrote. I'm like, good thing I do. Exactly. Yeah. And as someone who's writing a book right now, I could probably tell you how to play my game in 10 minutes, but it's taken me like a hundred pages to write it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't want to risk, you know, screwing things up by teaching people my bad habits when it comes to doing that sort of thing. So. Fair enough. Yeah. So looking at the Kickstarter, so uh, the the PDF level is ten bucks, uh, the soft cover is twelve, or excuse me, fifteen, and that also covers the PDF as well. Yes. And then that at cost POD coupon. Do you know what the at cost is? So I'm paying um, fifteen plus what? Uh, no, because that's probably going to vary according to. Um, when, where? Yeah, when when it's it's done. So because as as you. As you know, shipping is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is which is honestly one of the big reasons for having an outside person like drive through do this is because it seems like every couple of months the prices for shipping go up dramatically, and without real a real reason on why they're doing that, other than somebody going, "We should be charging you more money for shipping now." Right. So, it's it, but it it, it makes trying to estimate that sort of thing really difficult. Gotcha. Uh, so just, I'm scrolling through the Kickstarter now. There's some example pages, so we get to see some of the art. Um, everything I'm seeing so far is, is black and white, which that's yes. what I'm doing in my game yeah. as well. I think it fits the well, style. I was trying for a fairly um, inexpensive uh, route. I wanted I wanted a, a a core book that was when I pitched this game to the company in the first place. I was like, I want a game that is portable, mm-hmm. something that you know people can carry around fairly easily. Yeah. You know, it's got everything it need they need in the book, and as low of a price point as we can figure out, which means you know black and white interior art. Gotcha, gotcha. All of the art is by the same guy. It's by um, uh, artists that our company has worked with a few times named um, Lee Oaks. And um, it was it was my first time doing art direction. And he, I think he did a really good job of taking the things that were in my head. And I wasn't sure if I was adequately describing them. But he did a, I just an amazing job of turning the, the things that, that were in my head into pictures. Gotcha. Okay. So, so I'm looking at Kickstarter. So there is a section that says the estimates uh, for the soft cover is 7 to $8 plus shipping. Again, will be charged after. And then a hard cover is 11 to 12 So yeah. 
realistically, you're looking at 25 to 30 for the soft cover. And I think that's pretty much in line with a lot of the other Kickstarters and stuff yeah. that I say. I do a show about Kickstarters every other week. Um, so I, I look at a lot of Kickstarters and the fulfillments and the cost and stuff. So I think that seems fairly in line. I, I think uh, the print-on-demand coupon, uh, it isn't rare, but it's uncommon. It's a thing in my magic terminology so i'm not as familiar with it as i would be some of the other i think it's i think it's becoming more common um to you know to use this approach of where you get a you're you're buying a print-on-demand coupon <coughs> excuse me um particularly among smaller publishers um because you know like like we were talking about you just you don't know from day to day what mm -hmm. it's going to cost to do all these things and you know so it's 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 kind of the easiest way to give <clears throat> prices that both you'll know and the customer will know as well right okay so being somebody who's never done print on demand does that mean i can go to like my local staples for example and present them with a coupon and they'll print it out or how does print on demand work well in this case it, it you get a coupon uh for drive through rpg uh they're the site they you know they sell pdfs and print on demand game books comics and other things um so basically once the the kickstarter is over you'll get a um a link in your email click it it goes to a page on drive through and it'll say, okay, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah. <coughs> so basically drive through RPG yeah. is a, it's, it's a big company that, that does this. So you're, you're going to buy it specifically from them. So they will handle it. It's, it's where I buy a lot of the PDFs that we end up mm -hmm. using for the, for the show. And even a lot, of, a lot of the reviews that we do, we get free co digital copies that they're, they're provided through drive throughs. So it's sort of like a distribution mm -hmm. Uh, center for digital copies but they also do their own printing services and then ship them out gotcha right. yeah so you can't just go to your local stop you would have to order through the drive through website yes excellent that makes sense i, was just I mean curious. you could you could take your pdf to someplace like you know office depot and and get a simple printout of it but it right. wouldn't it wouldn't be a bound you know book like you would get through Right. You could probably pay for like spiral bound, yeah. like a like a report sort of a thing, but it's not going to be the same. So, all right. Um, so Brian in the chat says that they've used print on demand through drive through quite a bit and been very happy with it. I uh, have got a couple big hardback book hardback books through them. I did that D and D rule cyclopedia, um, and then also did that uh, Keith Baker Eberron book that he not mm -hmm. the new one, but the one he had done before. Um, and I was very happy. I mean, they basically, when you get the book, it looks just like a book you would have bought anywhere else. Like the the binding is professional quality. Yeah, the only the only real difference is that uh, because the binding is usually uses the same sort of equipment you find in any. The the main difference is that um, the interiors and uh, sometimes the covers are printed digitally rather than a more traditional offset print. So like if you're ordering a copy of my book, it's it makes it more cost effective because they print that one copy, which is why it's called print on demand. <clears throat> rather than you know print 200 copies, stick them in a shelf somewhere and take them out as orders come in, right? Okay. Right. So um, you you have the potential of, of several hundred people listening to this, not watching now, but listening later. Uh, what is something you would want them to know to maybe entice them to go check out? Like, like last pitch, what is something super cool about your game that you would want? Make sure they know about before we move on to the next topic. Um, I would say that... Um... Well, the main thing is that this this has honestly been like a, a passion project for me. Mm -hmm. I know that's something that people say in gaming a lot, but I've been working on this system on and off for <clears throat> probably close to a decade. Mm, wow. And um, it, it started out, um, I was hired to do system design for a project that 
didn't get get off the ground and <clears throat> I had the basics of a system and um because the project didn't get on off the ground I didn't get paid which meant that they didn't get the system <laughs> and fair's fair yeah that's true <laughs> yes so I um you know I just would kind of work on it off and on over the years and then in the last I would say like three or four years before the pandemic, I, I started working on it more seriously and I was playing it <clears throat> at conventions. Um, I ran a session or two of it at, at your guys con when we were there for Contessa. And um, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know why. Yeah, no worries. If you need to take um, a moment, I get it. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, just kind of, I got more serious about it. And then the pandemic hit, and I had a lot of time on my hands, so <clears throat> I worked on getting the system finished, basically. Yeah. So I just realized that uh, I neglected to change our streaming uh, text, so it went out that we were playing Warcraft. So that <laughs> might explain why I keep seeing people jump in and then jump out. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's on me. I forgot to do that. Eh. Well, get a few more eyeballs in here every so often. That's right. So, all right. So with that, we're going to, we're going to move on. So anyone who's listening, so there'll be links in the show notes to the project, as well as anything else that uh, Chris wants or his wants me to, to link to social medias for the company that then the other uh, will make it as easy as possible. If you do end up backing his game because you heard it here, please let them know, put a little note in the comments, say, Hey, I, I heard about you on detention or whatever. Uh, that would be really cool if you could do that for us. Yeah. All it's right. always appreciated. Absolutely. Again, as someone who's going to be doing this very soon myself, I completely understand the the desire and the need and just the, the appreciation of getting it out in any method is to even one other person. That could be the person who backs it, makes it all worthwhile. So we're going to move into our second improv game. This is the one that everybody loves. By everybody, I mean nobody. And this is Where Have My Fingers Been? Uh, this is an improv game where we once again take turns prompting one another in turn. This time the prompt will be a short scene, and this is just something we make up, so it's not a scene from an existing property, um, with, it involves two people, maybe three if you want to get froggy and bring someone in like uh, Classic Scott does sometimes. And it's just where these two people are at. And, you know, it's like they're in line for a movie or they're fighting over a treasure or they, you know, they're deciding what color of, or what flavor of cake they want to bake. You can literally be anything you want it to be. Uh, Christopher, again, you are the guest. Would you like to go first in terms of prompting Chris or I, or would you like to go first and be in prompt to do the puppeteering? Why don't I prompt first? Because okay. that might be less likely to start a coughing fit. Fantastic. And that also gives us a chance to, to uh, show you the song because you have to sing the song. It's required. Oh, no, nobody, nobody likes that. So, all, all right, right. So would so, you like to prompt me or Chris? Uh, I'll prompt you. All right. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? So now you tell me okay. where they've been. Oh, underground. Underground. Well, isn't this a fine kettle of fish you've gotten us into again? Okay. I answered the Craigslist ad. It's not my fault that we ended up inside a coffin, buried under six feet of dirt, I assume, with nothing but some olive oil and a cigarette lighter. That's exactly what the Craigslist said, ad said was going to happen. I thought it was a metaphor. A metaphor what? I don't know what metaphors are. Is it, is it just me or is it getting kind of hard to breathe in here? And that's where my fingers have been. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Ended that one on a dark note. Okay. So that leads me to Chris. Chris. Right. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? You are two people who are trying to craft a Craigslist ad that would lure two unsuspecting fools to their death. <laughs> I have a plan. Really? Let me hear it. No, no, it's a good one. We will get two fools. Yeah, yeah. Last time you said ten and nobody drank anything. No, no, this time it'll work. See, we post something that they think is a metaphor, but really it's what's going to happen. 
Nobody's going to fall for that. Oh, yes, they will. Because there'll be baby oil involved. Ooh, now you have my attention. Talk to me more. Well, maybe I better just show you. Wait, I'm in a coffin. Ha <laughs> ha ah, ha. Slam. Got her. And that's where my fingers are back. Yay. Oh, that was great. <coughs> All right. I, can, I don't know if I can live up to that. <laughs> I think you mean live down. <coughs> yeah. You didn't live down. Uh, but it is important that you sing the song first. Okay. <clears throat> where have my fingers been? Where have my fingers been? Perfect. You brought it up. So uh, let's say uh, two guys uh, discussing which is better. DC or Marvel. Oh dear. This is gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only one reason why Marvel is better than DC, and that's because they have the Hulk. <clears throat> but Superman can shoot lasers out of his eyes. I guess that's what my fingers been. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where yeah. your fingers have been. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to move into cryptozoology. And this is the part of the show where we talk about a monster. Usually they come from D&D, but not always. Uh, we talk about ways that we have used this monster in the past in games if we have. And if not, we can talk about some ways that we might use this monster in the future in some games. Uh, Christopher, you're the guest tonight. And what monster did you bring us? I brought a, the, a Florida cryptid called the Skunk Ape. The skunk ape, uh, which, which I will say I had never heard of until you said it. It is basically a yeti that smells really bad, which is where the skunk part comes from. Mm -hmm. It's 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 kind of like a cross between a, a yeti and an ape. It's got kind of reddish, brownish fur, and um, it apparently smells really bad, which okay. is why where the skunk part comes in. I would just like to point out that, as far as I know, we don't know what Bigfoot smells like, so maybe it also stinks. It yeah, could. They smell all right. Yeah. <laughs> that that um, Sasquatch soap would lead us to mm -hmm. believe, right? Yeah. So what is it about the skunk ape that intrigues you and, and you wanted to talk about? Now, is this a creature you have used in a game before? Have you featured um, a game with the skunk ape? Well... Because because I live in Florida, I like you. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, when I was doing the setup, I, I do like using swamps as a setting for things. Um, because uh, a lot of people have um, an idea of swamps that are not actually the same as what swamps really are. Swamps are <clears throat> places that are like because there people see swamps as being dead and. You know, there's rotting and things like that, but they're really vibrant and full of life and a lot of creatures and noise and things like that. And so I, I think they make I, uh, they make, I used to do a, um, a convention adventure <coughs> where I would make um, a group of werewolves go into a swamp after a uh, frost monster. So. Interesting. All right. So, which Chris... doesn't figure into the skunk ape, but the, part of the the reason why I I like the creature is because it's basically a big stinky ape that lives in a swamp. I mean, those are not bad things to have in a in, a, in an action game or D anD D type. Game. No, uh, yeah. no. I mean, so and and you know, it's not something that you see a lot of. So that's I think that's why I find it an interesting kind of creature i can't help but think that chris is thinking that if he ever uses this creature there will be a moment where it bends over and sprays someone yes of course yeah that, that's to. where we're going to learn the skunk really comes from or, right, so and then you have to and then you have to bathe the person in tomato juice and... yeah, tomato juice everywhere tomato juice yeah. um so chris so have you ever in uh, probably not the skunk ape itself, but have you ever used a cryptid or sort of a mythological monster, even if it's a myth in a role-playing game setting, like a D&D &D myth or a Star Wars myth? Have you used this sort of type of a creature in a game before? Uh, probably. I mean, I've used I mean, I've used all the standard like D&D &D ones, which are mostly for mythological stuff. So I, 
I don't know if there's anything specific like that would be more towards D and D other than like the Tarasque, maybe. So I guess what I'm thinking is it's not necessarily like a, a monster that you would kill, but the idea that there's a there's a legendary creature that may or may not actually exist, and then the mm-hmm. the ventures are out in this area. Maybe they'll even maybe it doesn't exist, but they might run into it. So just that concept of a gotcha. unknown force that may or may not actually exist. Is that something you've ever used in a game that you can think of? No, because I always have it where you, you find what you're looking for. One way or the other, you find it, or it finds you. Either yeah. way, just depends I mean, you it. couldn't have an entire show called Finding Bigfoot where they never actually find Bigfoot, right? That just sounds right. no. stupid. Or <laughs> looking for ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to find ghosts like episode one or the show gets canceled, right? right. Well, yeah, right. but the show isn't called Finding Ghosts. It's just looking for ghosts. Looking for ghosts. Yes. Yeah. So I, I haven't. Uh, it's an intriguing idea. I actually, the first thing that came to my mind was you have this kind of legendary creature that people see every so often, but never actually can interact with. What if you have, as a GM, we've all had that moment where we have a, a combat where like, oops, the party wasn't ready for this level. You know, they're, they're getting beat up. What if you have the skunk ape come in and save them? and then just either walk off in the sunset or now they've got to interact with something that they're not sure what it is Mm -hmm. is it evil is it not like what is it doing you know now you have a second encounter in a way sitting there you know and most dnd players are probably going to start attacking it oh yeah or run away from it because they're like well it just beat up the thing that was beating us up so we should leave before it beats us up but maybe it's just looking for a friend yeah maybe he just wants to Night on the town, you know, taking yeah. out having a good time. So my immediate thought is Harry and the Hendersons. Mm-hmm. In my version, the players are going to adopt the skunk ape and they're going to have a series of misadventures trying to keep it out of the hands of whoever the hunter is who's trying to track it down. They're going to have to deal with the smell. So they're going to try to like, you know, there's going to be a scene where they're like in a tavern and it's in a dress. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a whole thing. Uh, that was this is literally the first thing that came to mind. It may not be the best thing, but it's the first thing. And if I know it myself, that's I would go with that version. Uh, so what about so you, Christopher? Have you used something similar to that? The mytholo- mythological creature may or may not exist in, in a style of game before. Um, I've done a lot of horror gaming over the years, so I, you know, I, I like drawing on folklore for that sort of thing um, because it it gives you a a kind of like level of plausibility. It's you know because if like the Mothman. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Mothman, mm-hmm. which is a famous cryptid. They've made like movies about it and stuff, but it's one of these that I, that's something I've used a few times. And it's like, you know, everyone is convinced that the Mothman exists because they've seen, you know, people have seen it and it's shown up at like, you know, weird times and strange things happen. And so it kind of makes it easier to convince characters that something like that is is real and you know because of the fact that it it tends to show up uh, at places where bad things happen does that mean it is dangerous or you know is it just at the wrong place at the wrong time or is it trying to warn people so it adds enough of uh, ambiguity to it that you know it hopefully keeps the 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 players from doing your standard. Okay, we attack it because it's obviously going to be doing something bad, right? So, um, I can also see a game where um, it's one of those things where, like, maybe the PCs are hired to investigate a series of crimes, maybe even murders. Evidence points to the the person or thing behind it being this legendary creature, this Bigfoot, the Shetty, this you know Mothman sort of thing. Um, Scooby-Doo story-wise, it's going to turn out that it's probably like an old rich dude, but who's just trying to, you know, conceal their crimes through this uh, evil machinations. So then it would be like, can we solve the crime, figure out who's actually guilty? Maybe there really is um, a Bigfoot as well who gets captured and then it's going to be put to death. So then you have like a rescue mission on top of trying to find out who the actual guilty party is. Um, generally I'd like to subvert expectations and make the monster, the good guy, or in this case, the, the innocent party. Um, 
But again, we'd like to throw this out to the audience, anyone who's listening now or in the future. Have you ever used this type of monster in a game, this idea of a cryptid? I mean, I think it makes more sense in sort of a modern style game than it does like a D&D game. But, you know, again, you do you. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. So you can either email the show, the RPG Academy at gmail.com or comment on the tweets, Facebook pages, or even the comment on the website when we post it. Um, I'd love to hear some types of encounters that you've had as both as either the GM that crafted it or a player that you played in it. Um, so with that, we're going to move to the final thing we do, and that is our audience Q&A. Uh, I know there's a little bit of delay on the stream, so we're going to let people, if you are here and you're watching live and you have some questions for any or all of us, should be RPG related, but they don't have to be, but we will use our discretion and choose not to answer them if we don't want to. Uh, so while we're waiting for that delay to catch up, we'll go around the floor and everyone can give your socials. You can do any final plugs. Um, again, just a reminder, there will be show notes for everything. Uh, so Chris, where can people find you if they can on the internet? Where would you like them to go to find your stuff if you would like for them to? Uh, um, so oh, I said Chris, Chris but I meant yeah. Christopher. Yeah, and as Fire soon away. as you did that, I, I said. Oh, fire away, Chris. Say Chris, we would both answer. Yeah. Fire away. <laughs> um, so I meant Christopher. You go first, please. Okay. So uh, currently, um, I, I've mostly closed up my Twitter um, because of Twitter being Points Twitter. everything. Yeah. Uh, so my public-facing social media right now is, is Mastodon, okay. which I've actually had a fairly decent experience with so far in the last couple of months on it Same. but um you can find me at um dorkland which is the name of my uh old blog at mas.to okay and again if you send me that i will put yeah. those links in the show notes uh and again go check out um action hero action adventure Heroes. Action, action, action heroes, uh, and the adventure role playing. All right. Yeah, and there'll be links in the show notes to that as well. All right. So, Chris, your yes. turn. Uh, I, I'm still on Twitter, uh, Burlu underscore Chris. Uh, you can also still catch me on uh, Redemption Podcast as the GM and a couple of player characters. And we're going to finish up the last season and then switch it from just a straight podcast to a streaming show so we're going to try to get a little more interaction from people so it'll be fun a little more lighthearted. i'm kind of excited because then we can i can try to ask people who are listening like so what should i do to the players now and see if people right. give me some good suggestions who knows it, it involves olive oil a cigarette lighter and a coffee yes well yeah. that'll be option a yeah <laughs> always option a all right, so I'm going to go next, but we did have a question come in, and it's for um, Christopher specifically. So I'm oh. going to give you the question so you can be thinking about it for a second okay. while I do my stuff. So Brian wants you to pick a Charlton Comics character and describe a little bit about how they would, might look in your game. So they give the example of Blue okay. Beetle or the question, but you're free to pick any Charlton Comics okay. character you want and what might they look like in your game version. Okay. Uh, so as for me, of course, you can find almost everything I do at the RPG Academy. I, I have that handled just about anywhere that I am. I'm most active still on Twitter, though I am doing more on Mastodon. We have the Facebook page as well. Uh, so I try to cross post everything everywhere. Uh, my favorite corner of the internet is still Discord. Um, we have a, it's an open invite, closed community situation. So if you would like to be a participant in our discord, just have to send me a message. I'll, I'll send you the invite. We just don't have it public facing because we have people jumped in. We're doing stupid stuff. We had to ban a bunch of people. Uh, but it is absolutely my favorite corner of the internet. It's populated by wonderful people. I love talking to everybody over there. I just love the conversations that we have. It's a great time. I'd like to have more people there. Um, quick plug for more reviews. We actually got a new rating just in the last day. I don't think it's a review because there's not been any text that's populated yet, though there's a little bit of a delay. But it had been like eight months since we've had a new one of those. It was kind of nice to see that number change because I check it multiple times a day and it hasn't changed for eight months. I have problems. And then just a quick reminder that, again, Action 12 Cinema, my version of an action RPG, uh, will be coming out next month, the end of February. It'll be on Kickstarter as well. Completely different system. Mine uses a D12 uh, dice pool, uh, GM-less, absolutely a different sort of vibe and feel, but it's also in the vein of action stories. So if that's something you're interested in, I hope you will check it out as well. All right. So back to you, Christopher. What Charlton <laughs> Comics character did you choose? And um, tell us a little bit about what they would look like in your game. Okay. So 
Um, I've got actually a few of my interpretation of, of Carlton characters, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to circle back to Peacemaker. Okay. Um, I think mostly because that's one that people are going to know. Um, uh, and I did this recently as a uh, updated my uh, Patreon where, I, and I created a character that I called uh, War Dog. And Peacemaker had this um, motto of um, he he loves peace so much he's willing to fight for it. Which I always thought, even as a kid, when I first read um, these things, I was probably like nine or ten. And, you know, just kind of rolling around in my head. He loves peace so much he's willing to fight for it. I'm like, that is not a well-balanced individual. Mm -hmm. So... um, my my twist on it for for the character of War Dog was um, uh, a man who fights to end war and violence, which I thought was kind of a, a similar vibe mm-hmm. to the loves peace so much he's willing to fight for it. And <clears throat> basically, he is the character of War Dog is someone who had a rough childhood. And that caused some emotional issues um, and parental issues. And he ends up doing a whole bunch of the wrong things growing up. And he gets to a point where, and I'm sure you've seen this in, in you don't see as much nowadays, but in, in like older movies and things where somebody gets to the point where they've done so many dumb things and they've been up in front of a judge so many times that he goes, okay, you've got two choices, go to jail or go to the army. So he decides to go to the army and it actually turns out to be a good thing because the, the order and regimentation kind of, and the fact they make him go see a psychiatrist (coughs) actually helps him. And well, to a degree, he still, you know, is going, I want to fight to stop fighting. <laughs> but um, so that is what kind of causes him to end up becoming a action hero. So. So anything like like numerically, like feats, um, stats, abilities, scores you'd want to so, show, shout out? Um, what I he, he's, you know, uh, I, I I gave him, you know, he's he's good. He's. Uh, well-trained in combat. He's well-trained in, in military sciences. He's an athletic person. And then to in the abilities, I gave him um, uh, he's got, he can he can take extra actions during a round, which means that he can actually act two more times than your average no. fighter uh, can in during a, a combat, which is uh, uh, two action. Uh, the the standard is two actions. You can you know, which is basically you can do an attack or you can do like a move or you know this this the standard kind of RPG things. So he actually gets four attacks per round, which makes him a fairly effective combat person. Yeah, it seems like yeah yeah. So all right, all right. very cool. Uh, so one last call for any questions that anyone might have. There is one question we ask every guest, so I will ask that now. Um, if another question comes in in the meantime, we will ask it. Otherwise, that will be our cue to sign off. So, Christopher, let's imagine that you are being turned into an action figure. Not literally you, but someone's making an action figure about you. Uh, what are the three accessories that would be included with your action figure? So I think like G.I. Joe, sort, yeah. of a, sort of a toy here. What, yeah, what's, what's coming yeah. in the package? Um, I think I would probably actually end up as an inaction figure. <laughs> limited limited uh, range of motion and a bunch of useless uh, add-ons. So I would probably You're not a... new in package. You're never in package. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would probably have like a, a, a notebook. 
because I, I tend to forget things fairly easily. And if I don't write them down, they're gone. Um, um, I would say my phone, because I like to take uh, pictures of things to use as references. I, I do a lot of, um, you know, I, 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 when I see something that I find interesting, I like to use it as like, say a scene in a, in a game. So mm -hmm. it gives me something I can show people, particularly if it's like a, uh, like an unusual looking thing. It's a lot so easier. It's, than It's like this, but a yeah. giant. But you're inside cape. of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're inside of it and there's a skunk cape. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. So I, yeah, I, I do a lot of that. And, um, um, Three would probably be uh, a copy of my game, just to be, you know. Of yeah. course. Absolutely. Can't. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Not, I really appreciate you being here. Chris, buddy, always a pleasure mm -hmm. to have you on. Again, you know, I'm looking forward to talking time. to you about anything. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, please go check out Christopher's game. Again, there'll be links in the show notes to make it easy for you. Uh, and then finally, just remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. There you go. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.